Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross and Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. Welcome back for the final episode of 2022. It's episode 172 of the Freight 360 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Blue Book Services. Blue Book is the resource that you need if you're transporting fresh produce. Their online database contains thousands of companies throughout the produce industry, industry supply chain. You can easily access and search their database to generate new sales leads. Their credit ratings will help you avoid companies with high credit risk, and their team can help resolve disputed loads. To learn more, go to ProduceBlueBook.com and click on Join Today. That's ProduceBlueBook.com. Ben, Happy New Year, man. I know we only got a couple days left in the year here. Happy New Year and Happy Holidays. Yeah. So... Um, obviously the majority of the country just got through a ridiculous winter storm. I'm here in Buffalo where we've made some, uh, I didn't realize how much national news we made until people are reaching out to me. They're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. But we got, it's like four feet of snow, hurricane force winds. There's whiteouts, driving bans. We literally, Christmas was canceled. So like you, it was a driving ban. You couldn't go anywhere. And even if you wanted to, the streets weren't cleared. So we, um, wow. I, didn't see, I didn't see any family on Christmas Eve or Christmas. And t- we had to redo Christmas um, at the beginning of the week after it was all, after the streets were cleared. So I had Christmas on Monday and Tuesday this week. True story. That's kind of nuts. But also kind of cool because you got to kind of like have like the, you know, like your literal family Christmas and then you get to have it with like your yeah. kind of extended family. Yeah, it was good. It's like, it's like yeah. the kids, right? We still got to have Christmas with the just the household unit and then yep. um, you're not rushing around, but crazy stuff. Um, you guys even got some cold weather and stuff down there, but. It was man. ridiculous. It was like 42 degrees down here for like three days. I mean, like. Yeah. That's, I don't know. In context or in comparison to what you went through, not exactly that cold, but like for me, I'm like, it was freezing. Like had to turn the heater on. The furnace was on. Like it's all relative, man. You know what I mean? So at least in Buffalo, um, you know, it's, we got, it was bad weather, right? But we at least have the infrastructure and the planning and the equipment to handle. It just takes us a couple of days to get through it, but you get, I've seen reports of places down in like Texas and, and stuff where like all these like sprinkler pipes are freezing and exploding and causing flooding and stuff in buildings. And it's just the infrastructure is just not designed for. It. And I feel like Texas yep. just got hit like two years ago with a similar cold. Yeah. Thing that and there's, a, there's a really interesting piece I read when that even happened too, that they kind of described that like, all of the way we design society is based on historics, right? Like yeah. whatever that band is, right? Whatever the averages are for like 50 or 70 years, they add 10 degrees in either direction and that's what they build for. And they're like, now that like we're having issues with climate changes, they're fluctuating out of those bands by, you know, large percentages. Like you said, yeah. it's all relative. Like if it's normally 70 here, it was 40, right? Like, so it's a 50%, you know, drop in texas same thing their infrastructure just wasn't built for it and like everything like literally collapsed on itself a few years ago i think i saw like there was a wind chill in like north dakota or montana it was like negative 40 something i was like yeah 
I have clients and I have a client in Wyoming and Casper and we were talking and her daughter lives in Denver and I had calls with them last week and they're like, yeah, it dropped like 46 degrees in like three hours. That's like, insane. It dropped, it dropped even close, like more in like a shorter amount of time somewhere in like Montana too was like, I don't know, 52 degrees in like three hours. It was something nuts, but yeah, it's just wild, but yep. it's been a crazy year. And today's episode, we're going to do, uh, we're going to have a cool recap on 2022 and give some insight into what 2023 could look like. We're obviously not uh, Nostradamus or any kind of fortune future reading people over here at Freight 360, but we've, we've, uh, We've done this in the past where we kind of recap the year and we give our our project or projection or predictions on the on the upcoming year. So we'll get into that. Um little sports recap here. Um your Steelers Immaculate Reception had its 50th yeah. anniversary earlier, or what? Was it Friday or something like that? Uh Saturday. And yeah, they won. So Steelers, you know, beat the Raiders. I think it was 13-10. So it was yep. a nice little tribute to Franco Harris, even though yep. he, you know, oh, yeah. passed earlier in the week. The uh, you know it's crazy. I, so I, I went back and I like rewatched some clips on that play from seven was it seventy two obviously right mm-hmm. where like they're right it would have been fifty years ago the Mac that reception so yeah. like seventy Steelers were down it was like AFC Championship game or something and like uh, is it Terry Bradshaw was QB right Terry Bradshaw was the QB and the other crazy part about that too was the owner of the Steelers Art Rooney was stuck in an elevator at the moment that play happened and <laughs> didn't see it. And it's cool. Cause like at the Steelers, like um, they have like a little museum at, at Heinz field, which is now Akershire, yeah. but they have literally the panel from the elevator in the little hall of fame that shows where <laughs> like Art Rooney was at when that moment actually happened. Yeah. That's wild. But yeah, it throws, throws the, you know, end of the game bomb down there, bounces off a helmet, gets picked up by a, yep. I don't know, like fullback or something taken in the end zone. So yeah, good stuff. But around sports, there's been some some wild things happening. Um, the playoffs are definitely starting to shape out here. The Bills did have a pretty monumental win on Christmas Eve over Chicago. It was a really cold game, but they they pulled it off. Look at my board here, thirty five to thirteen. Um, but they were down for like the like the first half was very different than the mm-hmm. second half. Um, Miami, because they you know they were. Pretty close in the division with Buffalo this year. Um, Tua has a concussion again, so he's out. Not looking good for them. Um, yeah, I think uh, Patriots not looking so good. So now you're coming down to like Buffalo's playing Cincinnati this coming weekend. I'll give my predictions at the end of the episode, but that's a big game because that's going to be for who's who's going to claim first place uh, potentially. So creams um, rising to the top. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. And then even like if you look at um, the Titans with having um, Ryan Tannehill out and now with some losses and the Jaguars being hot, the Jags just sneaking into the playoffs. We'll see how how the playoff picture shapes up here. But um, yeah, who's the? Do you know who the Steelers got to close out their season? I a couple divisional rounds, like maybe like Uh, Baltimore or uh, Cleveland or something like that. I didn't have it in front of me and Pittsburgh radio, like the guys I listen to in the morning are off for New Year's and Christmas. So like, there's just no sports updates in the morning when I normally listen. Nothing to new. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you get a lot of divisional stuff at the end of the end of the season here. So you got, um, Cincy, Cincy in New England or no, I think no, it's it season. Yeah. Let me scroll down. 
So December 29th, that's Thursday night. Uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Yep, it's uh, you guys are prime time. Sunday night, New Year's Day. Um, and uh, Buffalo will be playing Monday night against Cincy. So yep. look at our two teams with prime time, nighttime games, Sunday nice. and Monday. It'll be fun to watch. And then, yeah, we got the Browns TBD week 18. Yep. Oh, cool. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, else, let's see. What else around uh, sports here? I don't. That's no, it, man. This is here. like big. That's it. Oh, you know yeah. what? Corey Kluber, big pitcher, was on the Indians for a number of years. Then he bounced around to like uh, the Yankees, and then uh, I think he was in Tampa Bay last year. Just just today, it's Wednesday. Signed a one year deal with the Boston Red Sox, which is the team that I follow. So um, nice. Be interesting to see how how that plays out with a new pitcher in the rotation there. But uh, let's give a shout out to our friends at DAT, and we're going to get into our 2022 recap. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of Power Express or Trucker's Edge. Absolutely. All right. So 2022, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a, uh, a big thank you, not a little, a big thank you to all of you fans and listeners and subscribers out there. Uh, we had a a year that was it, we blew it out of the water this year as far as our stats and views and downloads and all that. And we appreciate it. This podcast started a few years ago as a uh, as a just a fun little thing, and it's really become a, a big community. And we've we've been able to see a lot of great success stories come out of folks that have either taken our course or done some coaching or just just straight up you consumed our free content and followed the podcast and you know learned a lot of a lot of tips that way. So twenty twenty two. We still got a few days left, but we've had about a quarter million YouTube views. Did you see that, wow. Ben? About no, I haven't looked at the stats in a while. Thousand. That's, That's fantastic. Massive. Yeah, um, about one hundred and fifty thousand podcast listens, and we're up to about sixty thousand folks in our Facebook community, and that's <laughs> that's. Those are real people because we vet every single person that that mm-hmm. joins the group now. And we had to we had to do some cleanup this year. That was so. a lot. Of, that was a lot of work. There's a good couple, <laughs> a good few months of us cleaning through that Facebook group to get it down to just real human beings and yep. you know an effective you know community. It's, what I like too is that it's not just brokers that are in there. It is brokers and carriers. And you get a lot of dispatchers in there too. So um, really, the whole the whole trucking and um, intermediary part of this industry where we're connecting shippers with carriers and all the little things that, that go into that. Those are the people that are interacting in our group. And that's where a lot of our questions come from. We got some good ones um, to wrap up today's episode, but we've really, really grown. Um, I think we had, I don't have the stats in front of me from last year, but it was something like a three or 400% growth in 2022 alone. So we had a big spike in yeah. 2020, obviously, the pandemic shutdowns, people are at home, they're consuming content and learning in a different way than normal. And I think that continued, it kind of became the new norm. We had a, a little bit of a lull in 21. And then 
Um, it really blew up this year in 22 as, as the market just really went crazy and people are searching for ways to find out answers to questions and just for tips and tricks. And that's what we've been here to do. So we're, we're really happy about that. Um, any other, what other stats am I missing there? We've got, um, uh, I think that's pretty, I'm trying to find the 21 stats to just see what they are comparison. If it'll let me search it. Um, and I want to go into the, I'm going to get into the freight market. Um, I'm going to pull up some. Some DAT stats here too. I want to give everybody some just some perspective so, how the year started and where it's at now. Go ahead. I got 21, 21 numbers, thirty six thousand views. So went from thirty six to two hundred and fifty thousand between twenty one and twenty two. I mean, yep, huge jump. And that two hundred, that two hundred and fifty, that's just for this year. That's not you know that's not total right that is i so i ran it for just 2000 it was like maybe 240 or two, might be 238 or something like that but 273 uh, lifetime lifetime there you go so really this year has been huge with youtube so we appreciate all you guys consuming our content i know we got the podcast going on youtube now so folks like to to throw that up um huh. I don't know what yeah. this is, but impressions are at 3.5 million. I'm guessing that's every That's whenever we show up in a, uh, like a search result mm-hmm. or somebody gets recommended a video. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, let me give you some, some insight into um, rates. Okay. Now we're going to the actual trucking market. So uh, van rates. All right. We started off the year with the broker to carrier being slightly above the shipper to carrier contract. It was about three bucks a mile and high twos. Um, and then remember it flip-flopped a couple months into mm-hmm. the year and it became more expensive to have a contract rate with the carrier. And it peaked up around uh, three and a quarter, 3.30 in the spring. And now it's just back down under $3 a mile now for that contract rate. But our spot rate, remember it was about three bucks. We're down... At 237, that's where December is right now. So the spot market has obviously decreased, and that's a that's a significant amount. You're talking like 25, almost 30 percent decrease in that spot rate. And that just that strictly comes from what has changed and shifted in our economy, right? It is there's been a decrease in consumer demand based on uh, purchasing power that consumers have the uh, ability to get their hands on um, cash flow and capital for businesses to produce goods. So we've seen that that decline. And I think if I don't have it in front of me, but last year we, I mean, we were up at like high threes at some point in twenty one. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Like we had, so it looks like peak was right around May June was about three twenty eight, and that's shipper to carrier. Broker okay. to carrier, the spot rate peaked at about three eleven in about January, and then you could just see them <laughs> right around February is where they split, and they've stayed split, and they're still split, which is still crazy to me that like the contract market is still that much above the spot market, which means so we we got to be honest here. You and I were wrong. We said it's not going to stay like this for the rest of the year. We said it's going to last mm-hmm. maybe six weeks, then maybe a couple months. And then here we are. We went nine out of 12 months where there's a solid gap in the opposite direction of normal between broker to carrier spot rates and shipper to carrier contract rates. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a licking on that one. We, you know, we've never seen this before. So 
Who knows? Well, it's crazy that next year. it's crazy that it's happened. That has been this sustainable. That it's been that far above to the contract rep yep. is that much. And again, economically, why that doesn't make sense is because in the short term, right? Like you have less time to go and secure something, right? So there's more risk when you have less time to do work. So usually there's a premium on it. That's why it's more expensive. The contract is, hey, we have a you know at least a good idea of how many loads we're going to be giving you. This is what you're going to expect. These are where your trucks are going to be over a longer period of time. There's a discount. So it, like economically, it shouldn't happen. It's an anomaly. And that's why it's so crazy that it's happened for this long. And yeah. it's still continuing to happen. Yep, absolutely. So uh, again, these are your averages, right? If you get into more specialized stuff, those rates are going to be vastly different. And a lot of little different things can change that. I'll give you an example. We had a really cool load we did last week um, that, so we had a 180,000 pound power generation unit that's used at drilling sites. So it's a power only move. It's it's this generator system that's on a massive like 10 axle or 12, I forgot how many axles it is, but a giant um, trailer and it gets hauled power only just by a, a power unit to whatever location it's going to for a What product. was the total weight on it? 180,000 pounds was the trailer. Okay. It's, it's got to be at least, yeah, it's probably a 12 or 13. I moved I moved something for NASA once to the military. It was over 100,000 pounds. And we had to use a, it was a 12 or 13 axle. But what amazed me in moving it was it's a very small network of carriers that even owns those equipment. And most of them know exactly where it is. And you have to like schedule it in advance. Like it's yeah. not like you call them to like get a van load to go, pull this thing, you know, tomorrow. So luckily with this one, the actual unit is on its own trailer. So you didn't have to, we didn't have to source a, um, a, a trailer. And that's my first thought was too, is like, we got to find a, a carrier that can haul this. And it's like, well, it has its own, it's built onto its own um, deck with its own uh, axles and everything. So that, that took that part out of the equation, but it was so 180,000 pounds. It was worth $13 million and it was going through Texas in the middle of a ridiculously large winter storm. Right. So insurance on. How did that you get that alone, done, by the way? I remember we were that? talking about that last week. How did you get the insurance done? Like it was just like a third party company that came got, in. The carrier ended up getting it done directly through their insurance um, broker. So they got it. They got the policy written for the single load to cover the $13 million equipment. Uh, but like, so one of our options was LoadSure. And we had LoadSure on mm -hmm. uh, earlier this fall, right? And we talked with them about that. So that was one of our go-to options. If the carrier couldn't secure it, we were going to go to LoadSure to get a quote from them. And it was going to, it was going to be a really cool full circle story if I could come on here and say that. But we ended up, the carrier was able to secure it themselves through their insurance carrier. Um but the so you you got to you've got to you're asking a driver to go uh, to to use a, a driver right before the holidays. So there's a there's a spike there's in a your premium on that yep. premium. It's extremely heavy. It requires escort vehicles, uh, flags, uh, permits, the whole nine. Right? There's another premium, and there's a massive winter storm coming through, and it's a high value. Right? So all in all, to get this thing moved was like. Somewhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars for a single load to get moved. So, just to give you context from your van rates uh, to that, uh, you know, there's a lot of variables that go into this. So, if you want to make uh, really, really 
I guess, good margin and good profit on some stuff. That specialized business is where it's at. But again, the the, the folks that we're working on it, we're talking a decade in the industry, so it's you know they're they're not newbies to uh, to this kind of stuff. So because a lot that goes into it. Imagine if you forgot to insure it and it slid off the road and thirteen million dollars. I remember the the one that I did. We I didn't end up winning the bid, but it was going from the base in Utah down to Cape Canaveral, and it was going on a spaceship, like it was like a rocket or something that was going up into space, and then it, it's reusable or whatever it was. But I remember the quote was like 110 grand, yeah, the, the, which was like by far like the largest number that I ever seen. I forget how they ended up moving, but the question, not to put you on the spot, what did you guys end up? Uh, What's the margin on that look like? So it looked like so 10, 15 percent. I was gonna bring it up. So the <laughs> no, so the margin, um, typically on this kind of business, the guy gets like somewhere in the 30, 30s for percentage wise, because there's a lot of work and permits and yeah. time that goes into it. But these loads are usually very cheaper to do. So he might have something that's not worth 13 million, not 180,000 pounds, but he's got this specialized equipment that's gotta get there. To give you context again, the cost. The, the um, opportunity cost for the customer, if they don't have their stuff in place, they're losing $250,000 per hour that their equipment's not there. Okay, so they will pay whatever it takes. So we're paying premiums to get this stuff, but we average about a 30 or so percent margin on this stuff with all the work that goes into it. So on like a, a $5,000, uh, dollar load, you're still you're gonna make you know fifteen hundred bucks or something like that. But now you're talking thirty some thousand. We drop the margin down closer to twenty, um, but still, so I mean, six grand. You're talking. It was like yeah. it ended up being like eight or nine grand was the margin on it. But it was a it was a huge. It was a big over over a big undertaking, well, I guess, to get the whole thing done and get it done on time and make sure that customers gonna get their stuff. So um, imagine what? losing a quarter million per hour that you're not operational. And then there was other stuff too. We had to, so we had to cut into the margin a little bit at the end of it because there was delays. The truck showed up with, again, this cold weather, right? You have this risk. The airlines on the trailer or on the tractor were frozen over. So they had delays in getting everything connected and loading. And there was guys on site there to get everything rigged up. So they had like four hours of, of uh, cost paying these guys overtime there on site. So you look, you, then that was like over a thousand bucks right there. So um, this is the kind of crazy stuff that you can deal with in this industry, but. But they, here's the, the thing is, I mean, one is it takes a ton of time to bid those. Like, just like you said, not just doing it, but even when you're bidding on them, right? Like, I mean, I probably had 20 hours, maybe 30 hours into something. I didn't even move. Right. So it was just risk on my point of view. And usually that's what happens. But on the other hand, right, like it takes you away from doing the normal things like moving your daily loads. But the upside is when you do get to move them, one, it's it's interesting. It's kind of exciting because it's new. It's different. And like, that's what I feel like is one of the cool things about our industry is that it's yep. not just the same repetitiveness over and over and over again. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's fun doing doing some different yeah. stuff every day, solving different problems. Um, other rates, flatbed. Um, flatbed actually went up in the middle of the year and came back down to similar where it started. Um, just over, was it about three? Actually, it's it, like it did go down overall. About 309 to 272 at the end of the year. Um. Reefer kind of followed suit similar to Van, but those rates are still up there at 274 a mile for Reefer nationally. Um, but yeah, 
it was a it was a wild year. Do you have any like highlight stories of some of the things that you've seen and how they shifted throughout the year? I mean, to be honest, most of what I've seen and what we've worked on with a lot of our clients has just been like with that ride, right? So like through the summer, everybody's books kind of grew, but then, you know, third and fourth quarter, they're starting to pull back. The market started to shift a lot more. And again, it, it points back to what you and I talk about constantly, which is focusing on prospecting, right? Your pipeline, your prospects, the companies that aren't actually moving freight with you right now are the most important aspect of your business. It's probably not looked at that way, but I think like the biggest highlights were that, honestly, I was thinking about this too when we were talking about this topic this morning. Every single one of our clients' businesses grew this year. And I know that like through the industry, a lot of it shrunk towards the end of this year, but the reason the clients that we work with and the things that we do and whether they're in group or in private, why they're all their books of business grew, is for that one point was that they consistently were prospecting because we were helping them hold a, hold them accountable to this, making sure that they're adding prospects, making sure that they're not just hoping that the customers they had at the beginning of the year were going to be enough business to sustain them through the next year. And it's not. And oftentimes, yeah, hey, during the pandemic, it was a unicorn period where, hey, everybody's business grew just if you just did the right things, right? Yep. Answer the phone, service your customers, told the truth, you know, got ahead of problems, doing the fundamentals, right? This year was very different. Like if you weren't prospecting, you saw your business shrink. And, you know, in a lot of cases, yeah. people I've talked to right now, their businesses is not bigger than it was when they started this year. They're, you know, 30, 40% smaller than they were at the beginning of this year. And it's all related to that one fact. Their salespeople or themselves weren't prospecting, weren't out there bringing in more business. It's always yeah. the case. And I'll tell you, so like with obviously a lot of, a lot of company, a lot of customers had a decline in business. But I'll tell you with like Pierce for our brokerage overall, we had a really good year and we grew a lot. And a lot of that comes from, you know, it's not just adding new bodies, but it's adding new customers. So we had plenty of customers that saw a decline in their business in the second half of the year, especially in, into the fall. Um, but tapping into those new customers that were being poorly serviced by a, a bad actor who just had a good ride the last year and a half, right? And then they quick, quickly realized that they're not being serviced properly. And by making those calls and making those contacts and following up and getting on the phone with folks, you're adding new customers. And we had a, we had a lot really in, in December alone. And one of the key trends I saw was someone that, you know, you're getting an email from a customer, you're on a load list, right? And they send out 10, 12 requests a day or whatever. And instead of just replying back with a quote, pick up the phone, talk to them, get context and figure out, separate this one's not worth it. And this one is definitely worth it. And these other ones in the middle, we're going to get on their radar, maybe do a couple things here or there. We had a lot of really good success in the last month of the year by by having things like that happen where we're, we're not just status quo like the rest of the brokerages out there. We're picking up the phone, we're calling customers, even if they they make it seem like they want everything done via email. And the same thing happened with a lot of bids that we were working through in November and December where they just email out this really blanketed quote request for these lanes with no context. There's no lane density. You don't know the time frame on it. You don't even have the weight necessarily. Pick up the phone and you call and you find out a lot of these 100 lanes, 
these are the 10 that we're actually really struggling with right now that we're looking to get some some new help on. So do do the different things as you move into the new year that other brokers aren't doing. And that's picking up the phone, doubling down on your prospecting, asking questions that you, other people aren't asking. So well, here's and, and the other thing, I mean, we talked about what was going on with the rates, but the reality is, is when the contract market is more expensive than the spot market, it is cheaper right now for you to secure a truck right now than it is from the shipper's point of view to have negotiated a week ago, right? Yeah. So in a normal market, you're on the phone and no matter what you're bringing to the table option-wise for a truck, you're typically more expensive because again, it's more expensive to get something with less amount of time. But right now you can literally be prospecting shippers and talking to them and you might be able to save them money getting them a truck over what they've already negotiated, right? And again, yeah. that's not something you want to sell yourself on long term, but it's something you don't want to ignore because it's an opportunity that is unique to the situation we're in right now. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, you, you, if you can explain to your customer, we always say the more information you can give to your customer, the more they're going to understand and realize that you're adding value. So if you can explain to them that, yes, my goal is to not find you a last minute truck all the time, but given the way that the market is right now, here is where I can add value specifically. And that yep. can shift. Your your role can, you know, your role long-term and your value add can be consistency for them. But right now it could be cost savings and access to parts of the market that they have not tapped into. Other things too, think about diesel, right? The beginning of the year, I want to give you some some numbers, right? Beginning of the year, the average cost of diesel was $3.64 a gallon, $3.64. It peaked at just under six bucks in the middle of the year. And now it's wow. gone back down to the high fours. But cost of fuel, that's one of the most expensive costs to operate a truck. And it's definitely one of your variable costs as it fluctuates. So we saw the rise and you know slight decrease in fall. fuel costs over this year. You know, the other thing that was interesting that happened throughout this year, like you were asking about anecdotes, was the one thing that I think was interesting looking back, and I'm sure a lot of people out there, if they want to pull the numbers from their own brokerage, will see this, was if you look through like right around the summer, we started seeing where load volume decreasing from the brokerage side, right? And we saw this on the market side as well, on, on like the aggregate, which was there were more loads moving from the spot market back to the contract market, right? We talked about this in 2021, which were, you know, I think um, the numbers are typically it's like between eight or 9% of the total volume of the entire freight market moves in the spot market, right? Well, during the pandemic, it peaked at like 29 or 30%. It's like 30%, you know, yeah. Yeah, like one in three loads was moving in the short term because the contracts weren't being upheld. Carriers just weren't being able to pick it up or were refusing to get better rates in the spot market, right? So huge fluctuation of the spot market, which is really good for brokerages because that's where we make our money in the spot market as opposed to the contract. But what you saw this year was... It's starting to go back, right? So what you saw, if you look at your numbers for most of the companies we've worked with is right around, I'd say June, July, beginning of summer where you started to see load volume drop. Meaning if you're moving you know, 150 loads a week as a brokerage, maybe 140 then to 130. But at the same time, since the contract market was above the spot market, their margins got bigger. So yep. they were moving less freight but making more money. And that happened, I would say, all the way through about August to maybe around September. Then it started to come back, meaning 
that played itself out, the margins then started to follow the load count. Yep. Meaning, you know, we went from 150 to 140 to 130 to 120 to 110 loads. And then you saw your part, your margins that went up now started to decrease. Now you're starting to see them, I think, for the companies that are prospecting and adding relationships, like adding another company, adding another customer, not just trying to pull more freight out of their existing customers, they're starting to see that grow again. I mean, at least we're seeing that with our clients and the ones that we work with is that they're now starting to see their load volume go up and their margins are starting to be sustainable. They're not yep. exact, they're not shrinking anymore. And I think that was the other big lesson, I think for everybody to look back on 2022 and realize that like, if you don't want this to happen again, like there is only one solution and that is putting your foot on the gas when it relates to prospecting. Yep. It's always, it's always a safe bet. It's to always say the same solution. Prospect board yeah. is going to help you. Um, 2022 was like the year of double brokering just blowing up as well. Memorial yeah. Day, right? It was like as soon as that hit and we just saw it left and right, just double broker, double broker, double broker. And we had the big conference in DC where um, we went in with TIA and, and lobbied to yeah. uh, our representatives and, and everyone in Congress on Capitol Hill to, to talk about how crazy this has been. So I do have a prediction for 23 that I think you're going to see, because we saw the guidance come from FMCSA about dispatching services. I think we're going to see some move in the direction towards taking action or having some sort of accountability on illegal brokering activity. So your double brokering, triple brokering, and all of that stuff, illegal dispatchers. I think you're going to see something where it's, there's either guidance given or there's more reporting and sharing of the information across the industry. You might see FMCSA have, a, have an open hearing in front of Congress about it with the DOT. Um, I think you're going to see some kind of pressure on that. So that's my, I don't know what's going to happen, and I I I, don't, I doubt we're going to start slapping ten thousand dollars fines on every single case of it. Um, but I think they're going to start seeing pressure on on those folks and try to get try to kind of reel in the the cattle here as far as those who are living, working in the wild west versus doing legitimate business. I mean, it is long overdue. I, I really think there does need to be some enforcement over our industry. It's like there are literally no police. Like, you know, the wild west analogy holds pretty true that it's just like there doesn't really seem to be repercussions unless yep. it's like local law enforcement for some of these like fraudulent activities. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that, you're right. It, it, the Wild West is like, we use that phrase, but it's like the most accurate way to describe it. Um, what else did we see? Oh, uh, AB5. AB5. Yep. Um, we had, so I, actually, I'm curious how that's going to pan out next year because th that kind of lost a lot of its spotlight over the past few months after, um, like, you had some of those, was it the, Court cases well, that referenced AB5 or? Well, that's what I'm curious because I haven't really read much about how it played out. Have you seen anything about like implications? No. And that's what I, that's what kind of makes me surprised is that here we are. I mean, th that was the, the first half of the year, right? Where it was AB5 in California went into, went into law where you have that, the whole three, the, the three question test about our <clears throat> contract or not. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. It's I haven't been seen any crazy. effect. Yeah, like I no. haven't heard or seen any impact related to it. Like, oh, capacity's tightened because of this or anything related to it. It just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it seemed like a big deal, but it didn't seem to have it didn't disrupt really everything. That was any impact. It would. Yeah, like ELDs disrupted everything. Oh. 
Immediately. Um, yeah. Like shifted the um, whole market. Yeah. Like almost overnight. Yep. Like literally overnight. Yep. The um the almost rail strike that happened this mm-hmm. year. Um and who knows? I mean, you you could see something like that happen down the road as well. Um we had we had hurricanes, right? And those are gonna happen again in the future. So those of you that that do business in or out of any of those coastal areas, whether it's the the Florida Peninsula or into the Gulf area by Texas, Louisiana, those storms are going to keep coming and they're going to keep disrupting the market in the short term. So if that's the kind of business you operate in or if you do any dealings with FEMA or want to, this is a great time to start doing some research and homework on it because it's going to happen again. We know it's going to happen again. Well, here's the other thing, too. I think the other big takeaway from that is whether it's a hurricane or whether it's the weather that you saw and I saw over the past you know, week, it's it doesn't really matter what it is as long as it disrupts the norm, right? The normal pace of things that creates opportunities, right? Yep. So whether it's, you know, freezing over of large portions of the country or whether it's a hurricane coming up the coast, the there really is no difference. It creates an opportunity for shippers that need help because the people they expected to be able to do it aren't able to be able to do it. So again, that's a great opportunity for brokers to add value. Here's a question and you might know, I haven't tapped into it in a while, but remember the porks being so backed up at the beginning of the year, right? Where you had like a hundred container ships out there, the port of LA and Long Beach. Um, has that worked itself out fully? I mean, you're you're more in the so, trade space than I am, but what so do, what it do has. Mean? And I looked it up again this morning too. So it right now the Asia to West Coast um, container rates are back down to 2019 levels, so okay. they have normalized. Now the East Coast levels are still a little bit above normal. I think they're like 30 percent above like price wise where they were supposed to be. I can't remember numbers. It was like two grand a container on the East coast, like roughly around 12 or 1300 on the West coast. But you know, in comparison to the peak of September of 21, they were like seven, eight, nine, sometimes $14,000. There were reports of like huge numbers. Right. And again, like I know we're all in shipping, but we're all also consumers. And most of us live in the United States. And that is a great news for inflation, right? The fact that it's not costing, you know, ten or fifteen thousand dollars to bring a container in means like we're not continuing to drive up the cost of consumer goods, right? The things that were supposed to happen with the inflationary precautions that the government could impose are starting to see effect. Like I think that's a good takeaway. Now again, what that still looks like, I think the Savannah port still has roughly like ten or eleven container ships backed up off of it. Like okay. it's not exactly normal, but it is doing far better than it was, you know, at the worst that it's been. I mean, there were over a hundred some container ships like yeah. backed out into, you know, the Pacific Ocean. Just they're just, waiting they're just hanging out out there. Waiting running to up bills, <laughs> just burning gas. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. So that's 2022. Um, so let's, I want to kind of give my take on what I think we're going to see moving into 23. And I've kind of held on this prediction for a while. I do think that as we head into like the summer months of 23, I think you're going to see things kind of get back to where they were before. But again, this all depends on what happens in the economy, 
right? Globally and domestically just inside the US, which we have no idea what the lawmakers are going to do in DC because you've got, um, obviously in January, you get a new set. We had the midterm elections. You're going to have some new some new bodies in there. We didn't have too much of a change, I think. So the um, Democrats held the Senate, uh, Senate and probably the House. house. Um, so, so the first strings went conservative and then. Yeah. So what does that mean? I mean, it all depends because you got to remember whenever legislation is passed or things go into action, it's got to go. The House creates them, the Senate approves them, and that, and then the, the president signs off on them. So we really don't know what we're going to see economically. Obviously, everybody loves to see a booming, healthy economy. And if I would predict that if if the general public is okay with where inflation has been normalized too, if it does, and where prices are at, and um, maybe we see interest rates come back down, that might you know that might be more fruitful for the for the transportation side, but we don't know. I think you're going to see more a more normalized version of our supply chain come summertime, though. But who knows? I'm I'm, I'm taking a stab in the dark when I say that. So I think the biggest the biggest thing that I'm keeping my eye on are the jobs reports because right now there's still a very healthy job market, and what that means is when people have confidence that they can go and get a better job they tend to be more loose with their purse strings, right? They'll spend a little more. Hey, if I know I can go get a raise, if I go leave this job and get another job, there's demand for my profession. I'm a little more comfortable spending on a vacation or going out to dinner or on Christmas or whatever that is, right? So I think the big question mark for me is whether or not that, because that's what's going to determine, I think, whether or not we're going to have a soft landing, landing or hard landing with the, the economy, just like you said, right? Yep. Whether or not we're just going to kind of smooth out, you know, inflation and then people are just going to kind of go back to normal or it's going to be an abrupt landing where, hey, people lose their jobs. There's more suffering than we hope to see. So, you know, I'm obviously voting for the former, not the latter. <laughs> exactly. you know, hopefully we're moving closer towards just back to normalcy and getting out of it. But, you know, hey, you can't shut down the entire world's economy for, you know, as long as we did and not expect it to be somewhat disruptive. So, I mean, I think overall we're in a much better place than we could have been. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm not an economist, but if you look back to um, like the housing crisis, 07, 08, that was a hard landing, I I would say. Whereas I feel like, I don't know if it's the, the pandemic just changed the way that we think and how we, how we look at things, but I think I think you're going to see more of a soft landing in this case. I, I think there's more flexibility in the average person's mind versus um, where we were three years ago. So we, we've all kind of gotten used to a new way of how the world works and what, like kind of like be prepared to be surprised by certain things. So, yeah. Um, who knows? All right. Well, good stuff. Um, you got any more predictions before we get into our Q and A? No, I do not. I I try to stay away from as many predictions as humanly possible. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Let's give a shout out to our friends over at DAT and we'll get in. Or no, I'm sorry. This is me, Lean. Yeah, Lean. Lean Solutions Group is the industry leader in nearshore staffing solutions with offices in South America, including freight broker, back office operations, accounting, tech development, business development, marketing, customer service, and many 
other positions. To learn more about the vast solutions Lean has to offer your freight brokerage or agency, visit them at www.leangroup.com. That's L-E-A-N group.com. We will have Ryan Mann on with us in, I think, just a couple weeks here to talk about all the new, fun, yep. exciting stuff that Lean's got going on and how it can help your brokerage. Um, all right. So this first question, it's kind of lengthy, but I wanted to include as much of the the listeners question as possible so we can really dig down in here. So he sent over last week, he said, I've been in my position as a sales rep for an asset-based trucking company for about a month. So I would say I'm fairly new. The challenge is that I seem to have more trouble getting the company interested in the business that I bring them than finding the actual business. I have found a good amount of business for being in it just one month. And either they are not interested on our rates or or let's see, they're not interested or our rates are too high and not even competitive. Okay, so let's break this down. He works for an asset-based trucking company. He's a sales rep there. His job is to go out there and get customers that want to use their trucks. Now, a customer can be a shipper. It could be a broker as well. We don't really know which one it is, but we can kind of talk about this broadly. Um, So the the issue it sounds like he's running into is the, the rates that he's offering to the customers are too high, uh, which mm-hmm. is a problem. It's the same problem that brokers have if we go to a customer and they tell us our, our rates are too high. Now, the question you have here, and again, when you're newer into this industry, you think price is the only thing that matters, and that's not always the case. It's, what do you I think I think it's the reason that people go and look at prices because it's the only apparent thing at first, Right. It's the first obvious thing. Yeah. Yeah, You're like, oh, hey, the number's too big. Okay. Well, the number's too big. But why is the number too big? Right. And the number's too big for the same reason, just like you pointed out, every broker that has ever made a number of cold calls to a shipper will find out is that you haven't done enough work to uncover the real need yet. That's why your price is too high. You're applying the price that works for you doesn't necessarily work for them because you haven't found the right instance to apply your value to the relationship yet. Yeah. I mean, if you, so like with Pierce, we have an asset trucking company as well, and it's not the cheapest, not the cheapest way to get a truck is to go through our trucking company, but we maintain some of the highest levels of, of safety and of safety standards. Service. You know, so that, that flows over into your, service to your customers, right? So on-time deliveries, not having breakdowns, not going out of service because you have little stuff like tread on your tire or brakes, the easy stuff to fix. On top of that, all of our equipment is very, very new. We don't have old archaic trucks from you know 2003. These are 2022s and 21s and 20s. Um, so you run a tight ship there. And in, in return, yes, that objective price is higher than the low guy, but you're going to offer consistent service. The amount of times that we fall off of a load due to um, lack of having a driver available, or that's which is poor planning, or, or having slim. a truck breakdown, <laughs> which is bad safety and maintenance, is very, very low, right? And because of that, we have a good reputation with our customers to be a fair-priced, high-quality, valuable trucking company. And I think that's to our listener. That's what you got to look at: is is your company are your prices high? Because you have to have them high because you have too much, too many expenses or are your prices reasonable and you're going after the wrong customers that just want a low price. So there's a lot or, that goes into that. 
And even if you have the right customer, right, let's say there's another level of complexity, and that is finding the real need, right? And so if you put yourself in the shipper's point of view, right, they don't know this person from Adam, right? They don't know what they're saying is true. They don't know if they are who they say they are. They don't know if the equipment is as new as what they're saying. Any of the things you just pointed out, right, if you were to call a shipper and they're not familiar with Pierce, None of these things are proven. The only thing that is proven, right, from their point of view at that early of the relationship is, what are you going to charge me? And I don't know you, so all of these things aren't true enough yet to me until you prove them to me. So in order for me to let you in the door, you've got to give me something I need right now, which is a lower price. That's why everybody comes to this crux, which is, well, do I you know, discount my prices to get my foot in the door? Well, you can. Or you can ask enough questions to find the right situation where your value is applicable. So for instance, like Pierce, if the sales rep is asking enough questions to find that this one lane for this very important customer, they have a very poor on time percentage. Now, if you ask enough of those questions to bring that to light, they would be willing to use you guys on that very specific lane for that very specific customer. Once you have proven that you can do the things that you said, because you know you do, but they don't know you can, now they're a little more comfortable to use you on the next lane. And then yep. the next lane, right? Like you can't just go in and expect them to understand all the value that you do working inside the company until you prove it over a period of time. Yeah. And that's where you it just... Part of it's time, but part of it is really asking good questions to establish that value as you're building that relationship. So I want to hit back on one of the things I said before too, which is, do you have to have your prices high for a variety of reasons? It could be that you are up to your eyeballs in, in debt and truck payments and insurance premiums or maintenance breakdowns that you have to charge higher to break even, or are you looking at Lane? Are you So he's a new sales rep, right? He's got to think about this. If I'm if I'm prospecting customers that are far away from my terminal and we've got a deadhead, that's maybe not the best customer then. If I've got to drive 200 miles empty and factor in that to my price to offer this truck, there's probably a trucking company that's closer to that shipper that's going to be um, a better fit for that business. And that's another thing you have to look at as well. And I want to point out that that's really what happens organically from the shipper's point of view. The reason you're more expensive when you are, you know, initiating the relationship is because the people that have relationships over years have found the right driver for the right lane, for the right schedule and the right customers that fit the carrier and the shipper, right? So they end up with a lower price to move that than the spot market or even the contract market sometimes because that load just fit that guy's schedule more so efficient. well. Yeah. that both of them are happy and you know the shipper gets a discount and the carrier or the driver is willing to run it for a little less because it just fit well with the other customers they have. So yep. over time, there ends up being dozens or hundreds of these lanes from the shipper's point of view that they look at and they go, oh, this is what we should pay. Those could be completely different than the market rates. And oftentimes they are. And they are for that very reason, meaning all of these little instances play out over and over, over weeks and years until they end up with very favorable rates for both of them. And that's what should happen. That's an efficient market. But when you enter that relationship and you want to be a part of it, you've got to add some value somewhere. And it's not just going to be, hey, I have a truck. You should trust me. You've got to ask enough questions to get a little deeper to be able to establish that. Yep. And so hopefully that helps. That's a great question. The more context you guys can give us when you send your questions in, the better, because this it allows us to really unpack it. Um, all right. The next question, this is a very basic one. How do I reach shippers directly as a new broker? Um, 
We get, we get questions like this a lot. What I'd recommend if you are trying to find customers, Ben's holding up a phone right now. If you're not, if you're not watching this on YouTube, but we have a whole library of content on prospecting and lead generation. If you just go to freight360.net, go to our content section and just search prospect or customer or or sales, you'll see just tons of stuff, blogs. <laughs> YouTube shorter videos, full length episodes on this stuff. There's a ton of it out there, but you've got to, you, there's two main things. You've got to find the prospect and you've got to contact the prospect. So that would be do your research. And there's a whole bunch of ways that we found or that we've I'd given say, you in the past on let's how say to three. Find, you. find them, call them, and follow up consistently. Follow up, yes. <laughs> yep. So that's it. You got to find them through various methods that we've outlined in the past. You've got to make the phone calls, make the follow-up phone calls and emails. And um, that's it. It's a, it's a huge numbers game. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And the more rocks you'll turn over before you find that golden nugget. Good question. The last one, what is a reasonable rate to pay a factoring company? This is interesting. Um, I would say... I mean, you're probably somewhere around 3% on average, maybe a little less, depending on the volume of business you do. I've seen as high as five, and that makes me sick. Yeah. Um, I'd say I, out of the gate, you're high threes. It, once you're starting to put through about fifty or 60000 a month, like you start to get discounts. And the best I've seen is like you know 50 basis points, like 0.5%. But yeah, that's really they'll low. Work, they'll work back down. Yep. Well, we had on, um, was it Mac? Yeah, from Triumph. Last year. Um, and he talked through, I mean, he broke it down. Like it's it's pure business at that point. Like the more business you give us, the, mm-hmm. the lower we can charge you because it's a numbers game for us, right? That we yep. can't, we can't fund you very cheaply if we don't have a return on our investment coming. But if you prove to us that you have business coming through that we're going to factor for you, we can lower your cost per transaction or your, your percentage because we're still going to, we're still going to be able to be profitable as a uh, factoring company. So, and I think, I think, you know, the one thing that's worth reiterating is with factoring, when you start, you're the riskiest, you do usually the least amount of load volume and the least amount of revenue. As that number gets bigger, load volume and revenue the factoring company makes more money overall, but they don't need to charge you overall as much per transaction. So they'll start reducing yeah. your transaction fees because overall they make more money from the relationship as from the broker's point of view, as you do more business and something you point out all the time, Nate, is you should be working yourself away from factoring, like yes. putting more dollars in the bank so that you are literally using them less until eventually you're using them not at all. And you're banking all of your own return on your own investment. So that's your yep. overall goal. That's that's it. That's it. All right. So as promised, my predictions on this weekend's upcoming Bills game. Bills are on the road in Cincinnati Monday night. Huge game because if the Bills win this, they're going to finish off with a um, week 18 game against the Patriots who are not looking so hot. So this game right here, if they can beat the Cincinnati Bengals, will just about make them uh, the, you know, barring any upsets in the last week, uh, clinch the AFC champion or the AFC number one spot leading to a bye week for them. Um, So right now it's this one point spread that the bills are favored by on the road. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to take the bills in a close one here. I don't think it's going to be a blowout game. Like some of the other ones we've seen this year. I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals 
who day. It's a very, very good organization and they're, uh, they're pretty hot right now. And obviously they were the AFC champions last year. I'm going to, I'm going to take uh, Buffalo by like four points. That's it. Um, I think it's gonna be a close one. I think you might see the lead go back and forth, but it could be one of those games that comes down to like a Hail Mary attempt at the end or a field goal, a long field goal attempt at the end or something like that. But I think it's going to be a nail biter close one. So make sure you tune in Monday night for that one. That's going to be a really, really good game there. Um, you got new year's plans, Ben? I, uh, yeah, we usually go to the beach, drink champagne on the beach. And, and actually I'm having a new year's party, I think, because our new condo, we can see the fireworks at the beach from our, uh, patio so i think i'm gonna be cooking dinner i remember going down to visit my parents for new year's um it was right before the pandemic so what three years ago and it was it was one of the coolest new years i had we got to drive we drove down to like jensen beach north of you and south of of us yeah Yeah, so we Mm -hmm. like drove down to that area and there was like some huge houses with crazy Christmas lights on them on the, on the water. And um, just seeing, just seeing like the holiday spirit when it's 75 degrees is like really cool. So, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, but no, it's going to be cold here. Actually, we're going to be like 55 degrees um, towards the end of this week. And we still think a lot of our snow will melt, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we chime in the new year, but make sure everyone get, go out there and make your uh, new year resolutions. That'll last you about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> make sure more prospecting phone calls is on top of that list absolutely <laughs> good stuff any final thoughts here whether you believe you can or believe you can't you're right and until next time until next year happy new years and go bills that wraps up this episode of freight 360 check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode and make sure to visit us online at freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes videos blogs and more and make sure to check us out on facebook and subscribe to our youtube channel for daily and weekly tips and content if you'd like your question answered on the show fill out the contact us form on our site and we'll see you next week